Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, back from my sojourn south of the border, and I'm joining tonight uh, Sue Timberlake and Stefan Ward-Wheaton. Hey there. Hello. Thanks, guys. Uh, kept my seat nice and warm, just the way I like it. Ah. I think Stefan even sat in that seat. Well, I, I forget. <laughs> out of deference to the chair. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, it's got my cooties on it, so that's not surprising. <laughs> you ever see All in the Family? You probably aren't old enough to remember. Yeah, I remember that from when yeah. I was a kid. Archie, Meathead, get Archie. out of my chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tag yourselves. I'm Meathead. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I'm Meathead. Oh, no. <laughs> Too late. I'm in there. Can I be Edith? <laughs> sure. Stifle was... yourself. <laughs> Archie! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Isn't that kind of week, actually. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to it, folks. So, uh, before we start talking about things, I just want to mention, uh, you know, the social medias and the, the ways you can contact us and stuff like that. Because we'd love to hear from you, even during the show, especially during the show. So, uh, you can tweet at us, at CivilPoliticsFM. You can, uh, Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. You can email us, civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org, the uh, uh, website of the fine, fine uh, radio station that hosts our uh, live broadcasts. And uh, also, we have a website of our own, which is simply civilpoliticsradio.com that has recordings of previous episodes, links to things we talk about, and even some supplemental episodes for uh, web use only or something like that. So, um, yeah. So, uh, it's been, uh, it's a little weird to come back to Massachusetts from uh, from being down in Mexico. Um, more than anything, less... What was on the news there? Anything about us? Uh, I actually did see a good chunk of the State of the Union. Um, uh, a lot of the news was in, um, it was in this weird thing called Spanish, which... No habla. <laughs> so and you didn't have your little Google translator like <laughs> it, 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 it's not slow. that fast. It's it's not yet a Star Trek thing where it can like translate in real time. Um, you forgot to get your Babel fish. Installed. I did. I did. Um, but uh, more more than anything, uh, it was less the 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 warmer sunnier days. It was just that uh, because it's so much further south, there's like about an extra fifty minutes of daylight. Oh, right. It's just the days are longer. And it was, oh, back. And I'm like, oh, it's, where, where's the sun? So <laughs> Gray and rainy. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> you know, that's that's yeah. familiar. So anyway, um, why don't we talk a bit about uh, the budget deal? Could sign this some morning, kind. right? I think he signed it this morning, didn't he? Yes, President <laughs> Trump did sign the, the deal that uh, the House and Senate uh, voted on. Um, so I am a little confused. It seems like it's like one part continuing resolution and one part actual, like, like agreement for two years, for two years. So like, so like it's suspending, like we don't have to worry about hitting the national debt limit for a while. I think that one's one year. Yeah. Okay. Well, a year. Oh, right. Okay. Just that, that they just suspended it for a year. Right. But, uh, and it's also lifting spending caps on, uh, the department of defense and various domestic programs. Like like the sequester, they, they uh, turned off the sequester. Right. For things like chip and community health, health, uh, centers and, uh, uh, 
I think I think Snap and food stamps and so forth. Yeah. And, and um, also, uh, they are um, fishing. Um, you know, there's a lot of fisheries that are disasters. Yes, I good to say disaster yeah. relief. Um, I meant the fisheries, you know, that like Dungeness crabs and uh, there's a lot of it um, south. Um, is it Attleboro uh, in this state? Here in Massachusetts. And then Portland. There's some collapsing fisheries like codfish and things like that. Oh, and yeah. if they've been declared, I forget how much it was, but it was like 90 million dollars but it's it's like everything else in this it's not defined where it's going to go it's just it put in the criteria and then the executive branch gets to decide who gets the money uh-huh so that'll like, go well yeah so like alaska i just happen to know dungeness crabs are collapsing right. so they'll get some money well so in other words that might well be uh uh the resources might be allocated with the same sort of wisdom that led to uh president trump uh Ending the ban on offshore drilling all around the country, except, except Florida. Florida. Yeah, I think not they, that Florida is a good place to drill offshore. Just the opposite. But well, you know, the more I think about this, because I've been trying to figure out why you couldn't get details on it. You know, we have like big numbers on this budget bill. You mean? Yeah, there's like a big number, but it doesn't exactly well, say. For one thing, it's you know, they I imagine there's a an, there's <laughs> as I wrote it in a day. I imagine there's an awful lot of like. Uh yeah, that thing we talked about two weeks ago, just shove that in there, right? Okay, that's yeah. good. We didn't change it, right? No, yeah. I don't think so. Good. Fair yeah. Headline, <laughs> and and to some degree that makes reconciliation um, openings later. So if they're trying to jam something through because the numbers already agreed to, the Republicans yeah. can run. I just realized they can run it through the House and Senate without interference in other words you know when they agree to a right it has to be revenue neutral yeah so they've put the number on the board so military you know obviously they're gonna right so they 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 can then say well we're just gonna reallocate these money this money it's we've already agreed that we'll spend this much but we're deciding we're gonna spend more on on uh bombers and less on uh snap yeah, or um, supplemental nutrition assistance program. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a funny thing. It just came to me actually just now. I wouldn't be that surprised the way they wrote it that actually the Democrats will probably have very little control over what happens on any of the. That could well be. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but there's also the thing to consider of that means that uh, uh, a year from now, if the control of the legislature has changed, then. Yeah, then I'll, yep. Yeah. Good point. Excellent point. Yes, I think we've reached the point in uh, in an election year where all the politics are predicated on what's going to happen during the midterms in November. Oh, okay. And the Democrats seem to be gambling that, as as a lot yeah. of people are predicting, that they're, they will take back one or maybe both chambers of Congress and will have a ton more leverage. I, yeah. I was reading that they're, they're planning to make... They're they're planning to to treat as competitive one hundred uh, house seats. That oh, that's they, interesting. Not just twenty four, twenty five, or yeah. And I understand. I think some of those are technically ones that uh, they currently control, but have like pe- Democratic uh, Congress people re- retiring or moving on or whatever. Mm. But they're planning to try to fight to hold them and then go after, well, at least seventy odd Republican controlled seats. That's um, your new um, head of the Democratic. Um, National Committee, right? I forget his name. I, I do, think. too. The um, he was Labor, Secretary of Labor, I think. Oh, Tom Perez. Perez. Perez, yes, yes yeah. thank you. Yeah, he's he's really got, he's gone out into all the states, from what I understand, and is really yeah. trying well, to... Well, we'll see if they have the money. I mean, after all, the Koch brothers apparently are going to spend, what is it, $400 million? 
on this election cycle or something. Maybe it was only 40, but they're going to spend a lot of money. It's lunch money it's, for them. Yeah, yeah, as much as they want. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, that's what happens when you uh, allow uh, uh, oligarchs to control things. But um, did you... Um, so, so I, Pelosi did an eight-hour okay monologue, right? And really, I, I heard <laughs> that she did, but I have not seen. I, I haven't really seen much more than she gave a talk, <laughs> and it was about DACA and inspiring. <laughs> and oh my God, Nancy Pelosi's you know talking for eight hours. And yeah, that's an amazing feat, actually. To well, do. <laughs> I, I'd be hard pressed to do it longest... now in my forties. I imagine <laughs> doing it pushing eighty, as I believe yeah. she is, would be really hard. Yeah, so is she that old. Mm-hmm. Well, she's over 70 anyways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, my understanding is I these things track. get harder as one gets older. Yeah. <laughs> so. And Bernie Sanders pretty good at, you know, doing a monologue, too. He, yeah. He can well, go for hours. But I think hers was technically the longest in the House. Yeah. Um, and that's part of record. it. record. Yeah. They don't do filibusters in the House yeah. like they do in the Senate. No. So yeah. you don't no. get these three-day, yeah. you know, extravaganzas. By one so, person, too. I think that yeah. was the other thing that she beat the record. So. Yeah. So, so you actually told me before the show that you actually had a chance to watch at least some of it on C-SPAN. Yeah, I had so. C-SPAN running. I kept trying to figure out why she hadn't introduced any other speakers. You know, like usually yeah. they go up and they say, and to remind you, this bill will do X, Y, Z, and then they introduce the next Democrat, and then the Republican introduces. And I just, I, I wasn't listening enough. It was about immigration. It was about why she was not going to vote for the budget bill. Okay. Or whatever this was, this CR yeah. budget adventure. Because there's another CR um, in March that... The 23rd, I think, is when they um, – because they, they need another continuing resolution. I didn't realize that. So there's another one coming on the 23rd Yeah, March well, well, so for the stuff that didn't get extended. <sighs> okay. But so she did that. And Rand Paul um, – and quite eloquent, although it's hard to listen to Nancy Pelosi a little bit because she's kind of st- um, st- st- halting in her speech a little bit. It's hard to – she to. she doesn't have the instincts of of a great orator. Yeah, no. but a lot of examples of kids, and this is what happened to them, and this is what you know, just lots and lots of anecdotes, and so nice. It was well, nice. And again, as a pro business conservative who tends to sort of wind up on the other side of many issues from uh, Representative Pelosi. Well, businesses live off the backs of free illegal. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong there. Well, and that's why a lot of business owners and Republicans, you know, want the don't want the wall and you know want right and don't want to enforce um, e-verify whatever it is. I don't. I don't know the one that checks your social security number against your name and I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 there's also there's a, a slightly conspiratorial meme on the left that that's part of the opposition to DACA is that it will legalize a big portion of immigrant labor that is currently oh, unlegalized very cheap. and <laughs> so and which is currently cheap because they don't have leverage sure. yeah. through the government so so slaves are sense. cheap slaves, slaves are very inexpensive yeah. well <laughs> all right and so you sorry no no that that's that that's that's the thing it's is my that's Stephen true. Colbert version of a Republican. No, no, Sorry. no. But I mean that that's well. All right. Like yes, I get that. But I mean, but for 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 realsies, like obviously that's one of the points of of enslaving people is it really cuts down your costs. Yeah. Now um, look at all the contracting people that use folks for yard work and roof sure, work, and I sure. mean it's it's well, actually so one of embarrassing. The, this country does one that. of the things that I found really interesting was oh this is oh geez about thirty years ago when I was an <laughs> uh, undergraduate at college 
<laughs> but I studied at Kenyon College with Professor Clifton Crace, who was an expert on uh, South Africa. He was a sort of labor and social historian specializing in South Africa. And this is apartheid is still up and running at this point. And he's there talking about the apartheid regime and how corrupt it is. And, you know, he shows off the tear gas canister that almost took out one of his eyes at a street riot and things like that. So, um, but one of the things he talked about that he laid out was the uh, I was part of the the underpinning of the whole idea of apartheid, and obviously huge racism, uh, create different classes of races so that you can divide different underclasses from one another and so forth. I mean, the, all the things that people use racism for. But he said one of the reasons why uh, the South African uh, regime adopted apartheid. As opposed, you know, keeping people apart, as opposed to simply saying blacks are inferior, we will enslave them, um, is that uh, in many ways migrant labor can be cheaper than slave labor because you don't have to pay a high upfront cost to quote unquote acquire them. You know, that's such a hideous thought. <laughs> I completely agree. And if you look at what apartheid did, it created uh, Lesotho and. Um, uh, the other small trapped country within South Africa that I'm forgetting the name Swaziland. of. Swaziland. Swaziland. Thank you. Um, which provided the— Which the, basically provided local domestic migrant labor. It's like, well, they're from over there, yeah. but we're calling that a, air quotes, foreign country, so they're foreigners. So, you know, like it basically like uh, allows them to sort of, you know, in yeah. economic terms, externalize a lot of those costs. Yeah, and the people are pretty desperate, so they would do— Whatever, right, right. Whatever well, it took. They don't. Yeah. They don't have options. Yeah. It's like, do you want to? You can go and 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 work for crappy wages, and you know, uh, have to look after yourself as best you can with those cra crappy wages and whatever scraps of free time you have. Um, yeah, and it can wind up being even cheaper for, in terms of the cost of the you know labor people, yeah. who all look like me, um, to control things. And, and to operate their extractive capitalist economy. Um, that was a big part of the development of black South African culture during that era because you had a very agrarian base. Oh, right, so you need a lot of That rapidly labor. industrialized, and, they, and these people were getting shipped in by train to work in coal mines and work and in gold, gold mines, mines and diamond mines. And diamond mines, Gold exactly. mines on the Rand uh, up at the, the diamond mines in Victoria. Oh, my God, I totally forgot. Uh, did they get those... Thousand uh, diamond miners who were trapped underground out. Oh, good. We will because that happened a few days that. ago, and I, 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 they had lost power and they weren't able to. They said like they they were keeping fans going so they weren't going to suffocate. But oh my goodness, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's horrendous. Talked about South Africa. I, I think I mentioned this on the show before, but Margaret Marshall, who was our chief justice here in Massachusetts. Oh. Actually, her history was she came from South Africa, hadn't been involved in undermining and overturning apartheid. She's the one who did the uh, gay marriage. She was the one that forced that in Massachusetts, the way she set up some of the cases. And she was the chief justice. So she did uh, wonderful things in South Africa. And oh. then she immigrated here and was married. I didn't know that. Yeah, Margaret Marshall. She's re long since retired. But, um, she, well, we she was the... She was the reason Massachusetts was at the forefront. Maybe we can. Uh, she's probably got a profile on Wikipedia. We can throw it up there uh, on yeah. our on our page at some point during yeah, the show. Yeah, I just like to mention yep. people that did really yes. amazing things against great pressure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Look how many of them are women too. 
Wow. And how many women are in statewide office yeah. in Massachusetts? I mean, yeah. Massachusetts has been misogyny central for a long time. So anyway, just uh, a, that's an yeah. opinion. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, that's an opinion. So we didn't <laughs> talk about Rand Paul. Talk about here's a Republican who said you Republicans are so hypocritical when it was Obama's deficits and debts. Yeah. Um, you were totally against it, and here it is, $1.5 trillion. In fact, I think it's going to be $3 trillion added to the, um, yeah. to the deficit. It's, it's, it's totally unfunded. and, and it, um, yeah. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. So he delayed the vote so the government actually closed briefly, right? Technically, That's yes. A, they, they, because of the, the way the uh, – they, they, they passed the measure through the House and Senate by 5.30 this morning. The president signed it at 8. So, yeah. you know, like basically they said, right. Now everybody go to work. So yeah, it was, it, if you want to get paid. <laughs> yeah. So, but, well, and what and he's, and he's of, not wrong. And after all, yeah. this is something we uh, uh, lefties like me were saying eight years ago. You know, like, oh yeah, now that we've got a Democratic president, all of a sudden you guys care about this again. But what about the you yeah. know the the Bush and the, the two Bush yeah. tax cuts, yeah. two wars, and uh, the donut hole in social security or medicare part d i think they fixed the donut hole in this i i heard that I somewhere so. I, I don't know there's I don't... something coming next year that's like a huge hole i forget but i think they fixed yeah. it with this because that like i said the details getting details on this has been hard yeah i imagine it was hard for the people actually who had to vote on it too. without seeing any de- yeah yeah just the overarching framework of <laughs> and you know, I, I talk all the time about how I'm I'm a lefty and whatnot. And I think, you know, my sympathies certainly are. But I also have to be realistic, like, uh, or I think em- embrace sort of a broader reality, which is like I'm kind of conservative in many ways in that I like America the way it works for me. And I don't want to, like, b- like, break it all down. I want to change it so that it works equally well for everybody, so that other people enjoy the benefits of – you know, liberty that I have and also uh, security and, you know, uh, prosperity that I have. That'd be great. I don't I don't want to I don't want to take it away from others. I want to extend it to everybody. And I, I just don't see how we can do that with this kind of unsustainable. This is unsustainable. government spending. You know, yeah. I like I believe in government spending. Government spending can do a lot of good, but you have to raise taxes to, to do it and you have to pay your bills. Yeah. And and. You know, as I've as I've remarked before, the 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 richest Americans are holding on to more and more and more money. That was um, one of the things. There were a lot of outrageous things President Trump said during the State of the Union address. But the thing I that I really, if I'd been here, I would have wanted to talk about was just he he boasted about his tax plan, and that tax plan is a terrible idea. Even if you're sort of a more fiscally minded conservative, it's a terrible idea, especially for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's great for your own for one's own selfish interest of like, well, I have a billion dollars and I want to keep as much of it as possible. So great, but yeah. no, you realize if you have any economics at all, it's this is going to be tough. Yeah, even Omarosa, whatever her name is, have you Omarosa Manigault? <laughs> yeah, I, she's like a reality show person. Like, I she get fired from the White House. Yeah, right? I heard. Like, yeah. <laughs> so many people seem to know who she is, and I confess that I don't. I she didn't. Was, until... I guess she was like on his show, The Apprentice, a couple of times. President. So John is going to be listening if he's listening at home. Um, I looked on, uh, I think it was National Review. Yeah, and believe it or not, or the Weekly Standard, 
very conservative rags, right? Yeah, that yeah, I yeah. read, of course. And um, they, hey, they had know, a I mean, I, read, I was just looking at The Economist, so I am not going to knock you for reading <laughs> oh, conservative God. stuff. Well, they had a story on Amorosa, and I'm like, oh, God. And it was that she was whispering on her new reality show that this is really bad and that things are out of control in the White House, and this is not good. She's on another reality show? Yeah, she's on another oh. reality show. And it was just so funny because everybody's reporting it as if it's, like, inside baseball. <laughs> and she's I, like... <laughs> I... <clears throat> never mind my conservative papers are like covering it like, right what's right. wrong with them because they never you know they don't fall for the kardashians or anything else yeah so. yeah yeah it's like yeah and, and <laughs> she was the person who was like what does she even do at the white house and no one knew and yes i <clears throat> i believe the appropriate response to that and uh uh people who are more tuned into uh the african-american culture in the united states can correct me but i believe the correct response to that is bye felicia oh <laughs> Yeah, we had that on I've been adventure. informed. <laughs> yeah. I should I should point out for the for the uninitiated amongst our audience, she was the director of African American outreach for uh Mr. Trump's presidential campaign. Um and I think she Some she had staffer. filled a similar role in in the White House prior to her being canned. So, yeah. that's the context. Well, but anyway, the fact that people yeah. are covering that as news, do you think that the the tax plan, the tax reform plan, or the tax increase plan, or the tax decrease plan, whatever you guys want to call it, I want to like <laughs> the, the well, the new tax law that has been passed. I do mean, that's what that it is. Do you think that has anything to do with the Dow going super volatile? Uh, and that may be probably a longer conversation. Well, anyway. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how volatile I am. I've been trying to take mood stabilizers, and uh, <laughs> oh, it's funny. But um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, Where's our sound effects? I, well, I'm just gonna say I think the uh, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is pretty much a pointless economic indicator. If you if you care about the stock markets, you look at things like the Standard and Poor's 500 and so forth. Um, so I, I I don't care what the Dow is doing. I care what the Not others the doing. Nikkei or oh the Nikkei, yeah yeah. I, I, I'll look the the Nikkei, the FTSE. You know, look at other look at uh, stock markets in other countries. Look at what Standard and Poor's is doing. The Nasdaq. Those actually I think tell you more. The like the way the Dow is calculated. Uh, like it was sort of a back of the envelope indicator somebody came up with in like the 1890s with the and top Dow 500 yeah. th 30 it was 30 stocks back then oh originally and yeah. i think it's i think it might still be 30 or 50 or whatever it's not yeah. very many um it's i, I don't want to go on a whole rant that can be boring but basically uh uh there's a great episode of planet money that explains exactly why it's a like a pretty much worthless economic indicator that just has the advantage of having been around for a hundred years. So, so it was at twenty six thousand. It's now at twenty three, right? So it lost ten percent ish. It it I lost think, it, it lost today. a good chunk of its value. I don't think week, I don't think overall stocks dropped ten percent. But you know, so it's 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 flashy, but I don't think it really mm. tells you much about the stock market. And the stock market doesn't necessarily tell you much about overall economic. Did health. you see the president stop talking about it? The minute, of it course, dropped. he did. <laughs> as soon as he was he was boasting about it, now he stopped. But uh, Stefan, you had something you wanted to add about this, and I don't like. I just I don't I I, I can't talk about this because it's just the Dow. <laughs> well, I would you know I would basically co-sign your remarks and also just remind people that uh, stock market uh, stock market based diagnoses of the economy are inherently centered around the investor class 
And one major trend that we're seeing across the developed world is that the investor class is uh, has diver- divergent economic interests from the bulk of middle and working class. Those of us that work for a living. Yeah. Yes, mm. exactly. Um, capital accumulation is its own game, and it doesn't surprise me that we're seeing a ballooning stock. I mean, I think this you know this this will probably be more of a blip than than a new trend. But it doesn't surprise me that we've, you know, we've we've had this these enormous indices that just keep going up over time because that's where the money is concentrating. Right. The wealthy are taking more and more of the of of shares of national income and they're investing it in speculation. So, yeah. of course, the speculative markets are going to go off the charts even as too um, much money labor-based economy is stagnating. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's I mean, it's 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 amazing that uh, stock market-based analysis still has such cap, such kind of intellectual currency in our economic analysis sort of like because it's huh? <laughs> right. It's, it it's, can be. Yeah. It it just it it simply does not tell the story of what is happening in the average home. Employment. Yeah. Wages so, going up. I mean, so on and well, so forth. Well, as wages, you notice that uh, the. A, a number of economists on the, on the radio or whatever that I've heard talking about this have pointed have suggested that uh, recent reports that uh, there's been wage growth, actual wage for the first time in a lot. for average Americans, and that that may be the thing that <clears throat> that tipped it off. Because um, so if you have a big pile of money and you want to invest it in a way that's going to make you the most return. Uh, you also might be concerned about risk and whatnot. So the safest investment is you, you know things like U.S. Treasury bonds, but those have the lowest rate of return, and especially these days, I mean, they're basically zero. Yeah, there's something going on with bonds too. They were right. saying that's sort of in a reaction to what's right. going on. So, uh, so going into stocks looks attractive. Now, one of the so there's two sort of things to worry about when investing in stocks. One, uh, suddenly the company you're investing in goes belly up or has some problem, and you lose a ton of money that way. That obviously is bad, and that's sort of baked into that cake. But the other thing is uh, stock prices, uh, like like the the classic buy low, sell high, you know, the price of a stock may be rising uh, without any real change in the value of the company. Yeah, the price to earnings is way off. Right. Yeah, it's totally inflated. Right. Yeah. And, 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 oh, if my father were alive. Oh. <laughs> but, um, but beyond that, there's also the, just the simple issue of like inflation. As, as inflation increases, the value of a particular dollar goes down. So, like, you know, the price of a stock may be creeping up, but adjusting for inflation, it may be flat. But you're still paying in the same dollars, and you're paying taxes on the quote-unquote capital gains that will happen from selling the stock because the of inflation, because those yeah. don't adjust for inflation. Right. So stocks are more attractive when inflation is low. And inflation has been low f- for really eight years now. But the quantitative easing, the money supply is huge. Well, yes. And our new Federal Reserve person, that was the other question I was going to ask you guys, is it the new Federal Reserve person that they're actually a little nervous about him? Yeah. So Compared to um, oh, absolutely. Bernanke, the Bernanke uh, and Yellen. Well, Janet Yellen. <laughs> so, so, here, so here's the thing. If wages are going up, if we're paying workers more money, they might start buying more and People buying more tends to drive up prices, and that tends to be the thing that gets inflation going. And so that might be the sign of like, oh, if inflation's about to start going up again, get out of stocks. So that might be 
why some of the yeah you know that's that's a basic reason why people would get out of stocks and thus sell off a lot of things and you'd see oh hey rising wages that indicates sort of broader prosperity in the in the economy and that's good oh but the investors are getting out because yeah you know so yeah don't what what's good for investors isn't necessarily good for the economy and Sue, uh you know i keep coming back to you because you and i actually do think differently about a lot of this yeah yep. and so as the sort of the pro business person uh i'm wondering if i'm wondering if you uh have anything uh to say about sort of the 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 the, the divide the chasm between being pro business and sort of being pro finance or pro investor because what is good for businesses you know serving customers and whatnot isn't necessarily good for the people who just want to shove money into something and then get a return well i think we're probably going to be we're close to break yeah right? we're, we're close so to break. let me just give you the headline i'm i'm an industrialist Woohoo! not a capitalist okay and so i think the investors don't have that much value that the people that build things Create factories. That's a very different kind of capitalism. I agree. And so I, I discriminate. And I resemble that remark. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and I discriminate on that. And um, as my grandmother said, who was a pretty serious investor, um, that is the value, the underlying value of the business, and that the stock market, while it reflects that, there's now there's so many. Um, just different layers upon layers of derivatives and things yeah, I agree. that there's really no underlying value I agree. that if you want to invest you should do kickstarter and go find a company and invest in it that's that's my belief in this kind of turbulent world is that you don't want to be in the dow jones and you don't want to have stock that's you know get multiples or or um what are those um i can't think of the term for it i'll think of it Dividends, after the break return on investment no um I'm drawing a blank on them. It's okay. <laughs> but but they're they're really um things that invest in the whole market. I'll I'll think of Oh, index term. funds. Index funds. That what you're doing is it's it's almost like the opposite of investing in value. It, yeah. And I understand diversifying and all that, but it's a very different philosophy. It's like the philosophy of the working man. Yeah. And it's sort of like the working man's cooperative bank. Yeah. Well, and I can and I can when we come back I can offer sort of like a an idea of why Rebuttal. <laughs> well, a uh, why idea, an idea of why uh, index funds can be useful, and some of the ideas when about— When you have lots of money, they can be incredibly useful because right. well, there's too much money, we said it earlier, chasing too few— Right, exactly. And, well— Returns, because there aren't enough truckers right now. I saw a piece today that truckers, there's not enough truckers because everybody's doing Amazon and FedEx, and somebody else is getting in the business. Um, I forget. Somebody's going to start to compete with FedEx. And you see that, and you realize, but there's still not enough truckers, UBS. so they're going to start to— to bid up the price of truckers, which is good because that's why there aren't enough. But you just look at all the things that take labor in this country, and yeah. it's almost like I'm sitting on my laurels because I'm 65, and I'm counting on you guys to pull the plow. And and I think there's a problem with that. So yeah, I, th this horse collar kind of chafes <laughs> on my shoulders. And oh, uh, so the grown up in the room is giving me the sign that we should uh, <laughs> take a short break. So we're going to take a short break right now. This is civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's a conspiracy, brother. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about to you right now. <laughs> I can't understand how you don't have a regular spot on InfoWars at that point, <laughs> Stefan. Wednesday nights, you might tune in to the warm heart of Africa to hear the funky, sinuous rhythms of Afrobeat. Or the pulse of Algerian rhyme music. 
or the desert trance of Tuareg blues. Or Township Jive from Johannesburg. Or catchy Sukus beats from the Congo. Those are just a few examples of what you might hear from 7 to 9 every Wednesday night right here on Valley Free Radio. Join me, your host, DJ Vinyl Scratch, on the Warm Heart of Africa, a celebration of African and Afro-diaspora music, culture, and history, delivered with a groove. For all the best in Americana, check out Roots and More Tuesday morning from 7 to 9. From blues, folk and rock to Cajun, Zydeco, and alternative country, Roots and More brings you emerging artists, new releases, and older favorites. Tune in Tuesday morning from 7 to 9 on Valley Free Radio. Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, DJ Vinyl Scratch, on the warm heart of Africa. From Cape Town to the Congo, Marrakesh to Mogadishu, and to the New World and beyond, we explore the best in pop music from Africa and the Afro diaspora all across the globe. Once again, that's 7 to 9 p.m. every Wednesday, only on Valley Free Radio. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen... High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still with Stefan Ward-Wheaton and Susan Timberlake. Hey there. Hello. <laughs> and we're still talking about uh, the politics of uh, the investor class versus the, uh, well, the maker class. I don't, I don't want to veer too far into Ayn Rand territory, but oh, there's, but there's, the a, certain, there's see, a certain some, applicability there. Some of my guys do makers and takers. And yeah, I, no, I, I, I'm and, not, I'm not yeah, a fan of that. You're not going there. I, I, well, well here's, the, here's the thing. The makers and the takers, usually that, the, the way they pair that is like there's a few rich people who are responsible for everything, and they're considered the makers. Yeah. And then all the people who go out and actually do the darn work yeah. are considered the takers. Yeah. And it's like that's not really yeah. I like the guy that, you know, created a business out of nothing and puts yeah. together um electronic wiring and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of businesses here. Sure. In fact I heard about a great entrepreneur and you guys will laugh when you hear this. There, she's not local, she's in California. That's all right. But she uh sold five hundred boxes of Girl Scout cookies in two hours. And guess where she set up? Oh, I think <laughs> I heard about that she set out in front of the marijuana dispensary. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Brilliant future Girl Scouts of yes. America. Yes. <laughs> and that's and that's fine. You know well, people but I mean, hustle and sold Can we follow her on social media media because yeah. i i, I want to see where she, she's setting up shop next yeah, yeah. she's in california dude oh, chill out okay. well yeah. get your own my next vacation is I, week. I, well, I know some girl scouts we can yeah. uh, we can ask them for okay yeah. get you some cookies actually i got Stat. Two, two boxes of those mints the other week and mm. they were in front i forget some of the grocery stores locally yeah. so but brilliant so um but, but yeah, that hustle, that ability to turn like well, and that's, Elon Musk. 
I mean, he's been in the news well, this I was, week. Well, <laughs> I was going to mention Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. You want to yeah. talk about guys wiring things up in their garage and making something. Yeah. I mean, that's that's absolutely true. But And turning it into but a business. Once, yeah, they did turn it into a business. But once you go beyond those two guys making stuff in their garage, once they start hiring employees, like all those people working for Apple or for Microsoft or Samsung or whatever, they're making stuff. You know, they're contributing. They yeah. may not be the people who came up with the original ideas, but the poor sh- poor folks schlepping away, you know, in, in factories making iPhones 12 hours yeah. a day, you know, they're they're working hard and they're making things that they're, they're creating economic value. And whether or not you want to argue about the value of factories and iPhones and whatnot, that, that's a whole separate thing. But, I mean, like, they're certainly making a product that people can use and that ha- can have... You know, real positive impact on that. And lives. I would say that the Japanese stole our quality um, initiatives with, uh, was it Deming? In that they include their workers in the decisions and they make millions of improvements constantly. It's a much different, it's not just a line of yeah. manufacturing. It's a, it's a process of teamwork to create things that actually um, get improved at every at every turn and that process of improving and hustle and i mean that's really what i'm speaking to so the person that the you know at any part of the manufacturing process so right of course do we need to make all this stuff maybe that's another thing we should talk about well sure well (laughs) but so i just wanted to to touch very briefly because you mentioned index funds right as we were ending the first half and so um talk about my dad from time to time dad was a banker he invested money he was specifically a guy who invested pension funds, you know, for, for, for trusts and like the state of California, uh, state employees, retirement fund, that kind of thing. Um, and he didn't actually have an index fund per se, but like his approach was to do something like that using diversify. Yeah. You, well, and using computer analysis that was groundbreaking in the eighties and is probably utterly routine today. <laughs> 30 years later. Yeah. Those but, algorithms have changed a lot. Probably. Uh, probably. <laughs> you know, and, and just the, 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 you know, the hardware and all the other stuff, you know, but anyway, um, so, uh, the 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 overall idea that my dad talked about the philosophy behind it was like you know look for things that are going to produce value over time put some money into fundamental them fundamental value yeah and then as those you know create economic value and create wealth uh as investors you will harness you will reap some of that wealth and that will allow you to create you know have the the means the surplus to retire on and that kind of approach to investing I mean, that that is basically taking wealth you don't need right now and allowing it to become sort of the lubricant or the 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 whatever, the motor oil of the economic engine, however, whatever image you want to have like that. And when you focus too much on that, yeah, I think you wind up with, you know, innovation for its own sake. And and it's basically a way to sort of siphon off as much money into a few pockets as possible rather than creating sort of broad based wealth and. You know, like I, I, I think that the uh, sort of the economic or the investing approach, where you like my dad did, where it's like, hey, let's let's you know ensure that you know two million people can retire comfortably. I mean, that's good. That's got great value. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But it's a different approach to sort of the investment now. It's it's a lot more speculative, and it's it's sort of like there isn't enough. There aren't enough people really – I'm going to go back to the sort of the the, yeah. the working in the business. 
you know, factories don't produce the margins that some of these other investments produce. No, of course not. And when you invest... Neither do things like retail businesses. Like, I own a bookstore and, you know... Yeah, the margins like, are low. Yeah, the margins, like, like <laughs> if we're doing things really well, like if yeah. Jim and Melissa and the others are doing, and Bishop are doing a great job, like, we're looking at a 10% margin, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Probably not. Well, and that's the difference is that people have gotten used to these huge margins and these huge growth patterns. Yeah. And... It's. I shouldn't say this, but I can say this as a curmudgeon. They just don't want to work anymore. No, but it. It. The. You don't get. Well, so I'll have you know <laughs> that working is actually an extremely <laughs> tedious thing to do. I can't recommend it very highly to people. Really, it's much better to let the servants take care of it for you. Well, we're going to need a supercut of the, <laughs> the, the Dow voice. Yeah. that you have brought to this Speaking program. For the investment do class. we though, Stefan? <laughs> do we really? We threaten to release it unless the Patreon gets a. <laughs> Michael be in there putting his blackmail money in the there. listenership. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it it is. It I'm is. not sure how I feel about being weaponized. <laughs> you know, some of the margins from retail were to open the bricks and mortar store. So yeah. when you go directly to the internet and there's no middleman, there's nobody paying for it to be. Sh- Somewhere yep. where you can actually look at it. Oh, I'm 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 aware. Yeah. So that whole <laughs> that whole process and and I you know I think the margins have just gotten so high. Like in, if you want to invest in a um, dot com, you know, an an investment banker for those kinds of things, a venture capitalist, they want twenty five or fifty percent return. I mean, they're not looking for three percent a year for you know twenty years. It's a very different. Yeah. It's it's a different. They want to get in and get out. Get in and get out. They do. They lose some, but the other ones they want to. And and that. That belief about, you know, like the the truck driver, how many hours he puts in and what he gets for a salary. I mean, those things are all out of whack. So I'm I'm thinking back. What you're <clears throat> talking about reminds me of um, uh, years ago when I was, uh, uh, you know, a humble grad student of history. <laughs> um, when God was a boy? Uh, <laughs> no, wait, that was me. When God was God, – I, God, I think, was in prep school at that time. But um, – so I was re- I was one of the things I was interested in was uh, the spice trade, sort of the history of international trade and oh right because the and, root and all that right yeah. how do how did people start trading in spices and how did that change the world and in part like how do people in Europe know about like you know nutmeg and peppercorns that are growing in like Polynesia and India like how do they find out about these things and decide hey we want more of those because they are not native to Europe yeah. um, and I never really did get good answers to that but just you know. People in Southeast Asia are like, hey, these are tasty. And then sort of eventually over time it spreads and people are like, oh, I want some of that. And, you know, the market well, grows. That happens now. Opinion leaders on social media will say, did you did you check out this pair of shorts? It's it's it's, it's the word of mouth thing. Yeah. yeah and it's the people are opinion leaders. So people. Yeah. Probably, well, they get paid for that, yeah. too. There's they, a whole economy they, of. True. So, so, and I was just speaking to the social class that some people tend to be opinion leaders for their. So, if you were a, a merchant explorer, when you came back, everybody wanted to talk to you and see what you'd found in the. Oh, absolutely. You, you Ab- know, there's a mo- there's Ab- a absolutely. juice there, but also, th- like, there are a lot of books about this. One I, that floats to mind was called Nathaniel's Nutmeg, which is a great book about. Connecticut? <laughs> no, actually, about uh, London merchants, but that's true. Well, one of the reasons why Connecticut got rich was the merchants were going off to get nutmeg. But um, so the um, British East India Company, uh, if 
I'm remembering correctly. But um, certainly, if not that, one of its antecedents. Uh, they got started uh, going off to a few small islands where nutmeg was indigenous and basically getting like a whole boatload of nutmeg and bringing it back. And there are all kinds of problems, you know, and, and dangers and risks, and I don't think all the ships made it back. But the ones that did, like, it, it required significant cash outlay to outfit these ships, but the return was something like a 1,000%. And then John Hancock figured out how to right. insure them. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so, so, but part of the reason why there's this 1000% return is because people want this thing and it's really hard to get it's rare and it's yeah whatever it, it is it, yeah. it, it's rare where they are and so you have this opportunity for you know arbitrage as they call it but it's also based on quote unquote inefficiencies in the market and distribution and taking so, advantage of them yes right exactly so you go to all this trouble and danger and you can make this incredible return so to some extent we still want that but if you look at the history, at like at how the United States economy has changed, and this is something that I was sort of noticing while I was spent a couple of weeks in Mexico, is like it's so easy to get so many things. Like all these efficiencies have been wrung out of the market, and we're just sort of accepting them. Like it's it's so much easier to get a bank account. It's so much easier to get a car. It's so much easier do a wash. To do a wash, it's easier to get internet. It's, uh, you know, like I can drink water straight out of the tap in my home in East Hampton. When I, uh, uh, my friend Michelle's visiting in Mexico, you know, I had to, you know, I couldn't drink that water out of the tap. You had to use a purifier. And it wasn't that it was like incredibly toxic. Like you could use it to shower. You could use it to brush your teeth. But, you know. You might you, get a bug. But. You might. Well, or... I certainly might. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my delicate Yankee constitution. <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway, so just like this is like this is part of how uh, uh, economics work when you have like these great imbalances and people in A want something that, that that's over in B and you can make a lot of money, bring it back and forth. But, you know, like there's the interstate highway system. There's all these things that make it so much easier to bring things back and forth. So now, you know, how much opportunity is there for that kind of of real change. And that's why I think Look at uh, Microsoft. They created a whole world. Look well, at Apple. Well, right. I would say yeah, here exactly what you're talking about, Mike. That is we're starting to see the obverse of this where instead of creating growth and creating market potential jobs and everything else, the efficiencies are wringing the labor economy out of openings well, those for are, new growth. Those are disrupting the market <laughs> in, in new and clever ways. Right. But I mean, that's how you, that's how you do it. You know, that's, that's how you get those kinds of returns. You create something like Uber and then you, you the gig economy or, or, yeah. and, or Amazon and you just like say, well, since we don't have to worry about having a storefront and having employees to deal with customers or benefits or any yeah. of those things or yeah. background checks. Yeah. Exactly. Then, <sighs> you know, wow, we can save a lot of money. And that is progress. I mean, that is sort of what happens. And then, you know, you sort of come around the back end and you regulate it and all that. I mean, that is progress. But when you look at the world, and probably because of my age, I think more of, gee, how much more is there out there? You know, sort of, mm. you know, how many people can we feed? How many, you know, how much can the earth really support? And you start to Especially look at all these efficiencies. Yeah. Well, and if you, if I order something from Amazon, and they quickly ship it from California, I mean, that's not really very efficient. It's fast. Right. But, you know, yeah. The old way of carrying it all to the warehouse 
in the New England area and then redistributing it. I mean, it's it's an interesting change because at a certain point you've run out of optimization. You, sure. There's there's no more to ring out, as you said. Well, and one of the problems with see, you know, uh, as some of our listeners may know, you host uh, the show Farm to Fork as well here yeah. on Valley Free Radio to make sure I can eat in the new Armageddon. Yes. Right, <laughs> <laughs> friends with all those farmers. Right, <laughs> the smart social prep <laughs> But um, so one of the things about uh, the f- way food is produced for the market here in the United States is there's a lot of central farms. Like the pigs are all raised in these big farms, which are feedlots, oh, yeah. horrible for the environment, cattle. You know, so like like a cow will get fattened up on grain in Nebraska, shipped to Colorado, killed there, cut into chunks, and then those will be you know vacuum-wrapped and shrink-wrapped but and sent all... to the market here. And they'll be all mixed together so you don't even know which where the sick cow went. Yeah. Well, not just the sick cow. <laughs> just like the efficiency is it comes from Colorado straight to your you know shrink wrap to go straight on the shelf here in Massachusetts. See, Western Mass is great because there's so many opportunities for local. I mean, it's just— More so than many other yeah, places. Yeah. yeah. It's really quite the— but. But course, California is pretty good for local uh, right. produce. So. Right. So, but uh, you were talking about you mentioned like the sick animals and the the effects of the the, the nasty effects of feedlots and all the other sort of <clears throat> externalities as yeah. economists talk about. As long that. as it's not here in New England, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but it creates all these problems. But from a business perspective, it's certainly very efficient. Oh. It's very because it centralizes and cut, yeah. cuts costs. Yeah, and, and that's what they, that's what businesses do. They op, they continue to optimize if they can. Well, optimize and how you define that, right? And the th- Japanese manufacturers versus the right. American manufacturers. Well, and I'm just saying, like, like is that model? Just looking at food for a second, is that optimal over producing things locally? Depends. When you run out of oil. Well, or <laughs> when you stop using oil. I mean, we're not going to run out of oil before we get to the point where we really don't dare burn anymore. Yeah. Well, clean coal, coal, isn't that what <laughs> our president said? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you believe him? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that is— That was just that's, a shocking moment. Well, me. in the peak oil movement, you know, in the discussions about that and sort of the, the cost curve turning back against you, when you start to look at all those features, I mean, we really are beginning the race for what's left. I mean, that is that is what I think. That's where civilization is. Again, maybe a function of my age, but I do think that we're in a place where we're starting to um, chase uh, scarcer and scarcer resources like lithium or yeah. palladium or other things that we need for some of the things we need for solar cells and, um, you know, permanent magnets and some of the, um, was it rare earth elements and... You know, yeah. all that stuff. Well, I wouldn't think lithium is the third element on the periodic table would be especially rare. No, but I think where they're mining it, has, I, I forget what the problem is with lithium, but that's why I think they're going into Afghanistan because there was lithium there. Yeah. I could be wrong. I, I might have my elements mixed and up. And the pace of consumer electronics well, as yeah. well is made. Well, yeah, lithium that, there's, there's that, yeah. yeah. The, uh, I can't remember what, what element they're getting out of the coltan mud in uh, Central Africa. That was one of the reasons why the... Uh, Civil War in Zaire got so ugly. Yeah. So and so, uh, and the 
Rwandan genocide sort of in part was kicked off by people fighting over mineral resources. Yeah, I, I read a book. It was called The Race for What's Left or something like that. It was really good. It was about just all the shortages, you know, sort of all across all industries. It was just a sort of a reference book. Yeah, I think it's I, The Race for What's Left or and something. I, I was, um, China's <clears throat> buying up all kinds of things in Africa for that sure. reason. And, you know, we're doing the same thing. Well, and apparently country. there's a shortage of, uh, in some respects, of the kind of sand that's best for making concrete because we make an awful lot of concrete and you know at some point you wind up with like the easily sort of dug up and used sand for that is apparently we're getting harder and harder to find i think that might mean we have too many people uh depend yes so that's one way of looking at it yeah that if there's not enough sand to make concrete then you're getting pretty close to the <laughs> I, yeah i mean i i i, I, I could be i'm wrong. honestly drawing a blank on this i'll have to look at my source i think it was something that uh uh, uh stacy cooney the host of evidence-based because i chat with her about this stuff yeah you know <clears throat> we'll so. have to ask her at dinner if we all go out so. yes <laughs> so anyway we have only a couple Post. of Oops. Go ahead quickly. Uh, just posted that uh, race for what's left by Michael Clare. Just yeah. posted that up on our Facebook if you want to yeah. check it out. Thank you, folks. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, but so it we is have... the Go dynamic ahead, of you know water rising. I I yeah. I am watched. Um, I've been trying. The race to for fun... what's left is especially acute in some places like Miami. <laughs> uh, well, I just watched the National Geographic. I didn't know who had produced it, but it was yeah. called Before the Flood with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. It was a documentary from last year, and I could not get a copy of it. And it's because they hadn't released. Oh, it. was he the narrator he was the narrator okay, i was just like wait what leonardo dicaprio what yeah <laughs> sorry I was well thinking, he was like the... like king of the world <laughs> well he was peace ambassador for the un during this so really yeah so oh. he went around the world for two years so it, oh, well, it's pretty right. it's pretty good and you guys would know everything that was in it but it was it was just a reiteration of how fast the water's rising and what's going to happen in miami and tuvalu and you know all places all over the world. I'm wondering what's going to happen here in the valley. Well, New York. New York's got, you know. That's true. Yeah, people have to get out of New York. Where are they going to go? Yeah. So I'm sorry to bring death and despair to what was otherwise a very interesting week. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back from Mexico. <laughs> Welcome back from Mexico, Mike. We are all doomed. Doomed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. Money, <laughs> money has no value. Bite your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Get close to a farmer now while you can. Yeah, yeah. you can't eat stocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you make them out of the right kind of paper. Anyway, um, so, but we should, uh, we're going to be wrapping up in a minute. Uh, so, um, so next week we have. Um, next week, uh, uh, we've currently, I've, I've lined up a guest who uh, I hope we'll, won't have to cancel it last minute, but uh, we've lined up. Uh, Ann Tolheimer, who's a local activist, uh, she um, is involved with the Every Town Against Gun Violence Initiative. Um, she's also written a really great graphic novel called, um, it's a memoir called What You Don't Get, about her experiences as a survivor of the um, uh, mass shooting at Simons Rock College back in 1992. Um, and she's also uh, run for office in Holyoke and has a lot of interesting uh, things to say about Holyoke politics, which, you know, is perhaps something we should pay attention to since it's just over there. I think I'm pointing in the right <laughs> is direction. Is it across the tofu curtain? I don't go down <laughs> Just kidding. No, Holyoke is a great – the houses there and stuff. If you, some of those I'm a huge be, booster for Holyoke. Yeah. I think it's a fascinating Oh, town. and the Gateway Arts and all that stuff is just yeah, really – uh, Holyoke – 
Holyoke is a is a is a thrive is not a, it's not a thriving town. It's a it's a it's a good city that has a lot to offer and has a lot of problems. And don't they have water? And I hope it's getting better. Power for their electricity. There's some little thing. There that, is a hydro dam. So yeah, I'm not I, sure what what's I think being the done with its power. I think the city uses a, um, hydro for electricity. I don't know. I, could I, be spo- wrong. I suppose we could educate ourselves before then, but <laughs> eh, sounds too much like work. Anyway. Um, and uh, Stefan won't be with us next week. Uh, you're stepping back a little bit from being on the show as much, so I'll still be lurking in the background, <laughs> yeah. somewhere on the interwebs. Yeah, yeah. I will be there. Yeah. And we'll certainly want a you a dork night. <laughs> yeah, and we'll certainly want you to come back and keep us updated on net neutrality stuff because I know you're still. Oh, working certainly. On <clears throat> right. So um, that's all for now for civil politics. Uh, uh, we'll be back next week, uh, hopefully with something interesting for you to listen to. <laughs> and uh, a guest. <laughs> yeah, a guest. And other guests. I'm trying to get on more interesting people as well. So uh, thank you all for listening for uh, to us. Uh, stay tuned for Subculture coming up next. And that's all for now. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.